0: Bible verses in you from a young age, or you've done some reading on your own, you've heard of this verse, we are more than conquerors, and you know that when you follow God, He's the God of the universe, and what Jesus did on the cross, maybe you've heard about this stuff, maybe you've entered into that in some way, you feel like, yes, I feel, yeah, I'm more than a conqueror, I am this, and yet at the same time, if your experience is anything like mine, there are days, uh, maybe more often than you'd like to admit, when you don't feel like much of a conqueror, you know? where things just don't seem to go right, where you seem like you keep on losing or you keep on running into roadblocks or you keep on having, you know, things set you back. And it's just a reality of life that we live in. There are hard things and that, you know, there's, there's just part of this journey is figuring out what do we do in the midst of that when when God is the God of the universe and he keeps this whole world spinning and, and yet there's, there's hard stuff. And he says that I should be great, and I'm a child of God, and, 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 yet, and yet I feel small, and I, and I feel weak. And, and what do we do with that? We're going to be looking at, uh, at a story from the Bible today that I think will shed some light on that. But first I wanted to tell you a story from when I was a little kid. I played uh, sports, and I played basketball. Uh, and I think I was about 9 or 10 years old, and I'm on this basketball team. And we're playing in a little rinky-dink gym. And, and we're playing, it's like NJB or something like that, 10-year-olds against 10-year-olds, and we're doing our thing, and, and it's probably like the fourth quarter, it's toward the end of the game, and you know, we're all have like little kids sweat and everything, and we're doing our deal, and then all of a sudden, the scoreboard on the wall goes out, lights out, and I look at it like, well, dang, wait, were we winning? Because isn't, the game's over now, right? If, if, the, if there's no score, then we must be done. And so I think, yeah, we were up, you know, it was like 10-year-old score. I think we were up like 12 to 10 with a couple minutes left in the game. We were up, I think we were up. So I turned to my coach and I was like, is that over? Are we, are we done? Is the game over? Did we win? I'm thinking, you know, let's get the Capri Suns and the Kudos Bars. Let's, let's get after it. And coach goes, you know, no, no keep playing. I goes, but there's no, there's no score. And, and he looks, and this is a little, you know, 10-year-old me. The coach looks at me and goes, you just keep playing hard. Let me worry about the score. And I think that for this morning, there's a similar message that I believe that God wants you to hear. You just keep playing. You just keep living. You just keep following, and let me worry about the score. Let me worry about the outcomes. Let me, let me worry about how this thing plays out, which is difficult because some of you are type A personalities, and it's your way or no way. And you, you, you know, pull up your bootstraps and you're going to make stuff happen. And maybe today there's a little bit of a, a refresher, a little bit of a perspective shift that I believe God wants, you, wants to invite you into. And maybe, maybe, maybe. You don't have to live like the whole world is on your shoulders. Like everything starts and ends with you. Like if you're going to have anything in this world, then you have to do it on your own and make stuff happen. Otherwise, you're going to be miserable. We're talking about a story in the Bible from the life of Joshua. There's a book, it's a historical book called Joshua in Scripture. Now, what we've been doing, we've been in this Bible series. The Bible series is a good series because I know that based on the people that watched the, the, the movies, the little mini-series the, on, on History Channel, I think it was, like over 120 million people tuned in for that, that there are many of you and many of your friends who are really interested in what Scripture says because it's hard for you to believe that a book that's been written and been around for thousands and thousands of years is still relevant to your life today. And why would people still meet on Sundays all over the world and still talk about this book, this relic, why would they still do that? Why would, they, why would they still be letting this inform their lives? Do they really think that this has any you know, bearing on society today? And the answer is yes, we do. And we have year after year after year after year in all of history. We have passed on these words that God has spoken to people. And it's not just historical stuff. It's relevant and it plays itself out still today. That's why we believe that God's word is living and breathing and every time we encounter it, we're at a different place. And so it speaks to us differently. We talked about creation and how God created everything and it was good. And then because of human selfishness and wanting to do our own thing and question, is God really have my best interest in mind? We chose our own way. We rebelled against God and that was what they call the fall when we fell out of our standing with God and we went on our own in selfishness and, and that's why you had things like death and and you know murder. And lying and cheating, that's why this world is broken in the way it is. You cannot, you cannot live in this world and look around and think, oh, no, 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 this is the, exactly the way God intended it. This is, this is perfect. It's not, but it's not God's fault. We have made choices. Sin is a result of decisions that we have made. And so we talk about that on this journey. And then we didn't talk about this, but but bridging the gap, there's a story of Noah where God just kind of he baptizes in a way the world and there's this big flood and it says starting over. The, the the waters flood the whole earth and it's just kind of this start over, this this factory reset, right? And all that's left is Noah and his family and some animals and they repopulate the earth and God says let's let's try this again. But there's still sin, there's still brokenness, people still doing their own thing. And so God sends, he, he, he has this guy named Abraham. He says, Abraham, I'm going to create a nation of people through you. And you're going, to be, you're going to be a blessing to all the earth. I'm going to show my love, my character, my grace, my power through you, your family, and this nation. This is my redemptive plan. This is how I want it to play out. I'm going to give you a promised land. It's going to be great you know milk and honey and it's going to you know all things lush and nice and so that is how he begins to set this story in motion he's going to redeem this world he's going to make it right he's going to he's going to show his love and his power but things are still hard and the people of God get enslaved in Egypt and then God sends Moses to rescue them out of Egypt and they cross this Red Sea and you've seen or heard Val Kilmer's voice in the cartoon animated movie, Let My People Go. And then here's Moses leading like over a million people through the Red Sea and, in, and what he thinks is into this promised land, but they don't get there. They don't get to the promised land yet. We, where we enter the story now is Joshua takes over. Moses, the most famous leader in all of the nation of Israel, is not permitted to go into the promised land. Why? Because Moses represents the law. God gives gives the Ten Commandments through Moses. Have you heard of the Ten Commandments? If you've never been in church in your life, you've heard of the Ten Commandments. Don't hold out on me. So God gives them to Moses, and he says, hey, here, if you do this stuff, things will go better for you. P.S. I made you. I made this earth. I, I wired kind of the natural order of things. You might want to trust me. You know, you think that you, if you want to follow just your impulses and your desires, that that'll work out for you, but it never does. Let's get back to this, to this line that I've set. Let's get this is just a better way. And so they, they try that. But what we see is that the law is not enough. The rules and regulations, live this way, live this way, don't live this way, is not enough to get you into the promised land. Along comes Joshua. Not so ironically, the name Joshua in Hebrew is very similar to the name Jesus, Yeshua and Yeshua, right? So where Moses represents the law, do this, don't do this, be good here, eat your vegetables, don't cuss so much. Where where Moses represents this kind of list of ways to live, then comes Joshua, a representative of who will come later, Jesus. And he is actually the one, that ends up leading people in to the promised land, like Jesus will sometime later. And so that's what we're going to look at in this story. <clears throat> I, broke his, I broke the story of Joshua into four parts, calling, cleansing, crossing, clarifying. They're just little markers in this journey that we're going to hit. First, calling. My invitation to you is to find yourself in the story. Because like I said, it's not just a historical account. The Bible is living and breathing, and it's telling you something about your life today. Part one, calling. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, Moses, aid. Moses, my servant, is now dead. So now then. You and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am going to give to the Israelites, into this promised land. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Now you have to understand here, imagine you're Joshua. Imagine God is calling you to something. Joshua is getting this news and he's thinking, what? Moses is the most famous person I've ever heard of. Moses is the guy who just led all these people around for 40 years in the desert, and they were a nightmare. If Moses couldn't get him into the promised land, certainly me, his aid, there's no way. I don't stand a chance. I was just his manslave. I just got him water and a pen that would write and stuff like that. Like, how am I going to do this? Moses is famous. When he came down the mountain, his face was like glowing because he had met with you, God, not me. I'm just a dude. I don't know all the Bible verses. Moses is writing the Bible, but you don't know, you know I me. Mean. I'm not religious enough. I don't, I don't get it all. I don't, I, how am I going to do this? How am I going to lead these people? I'm not special. Moses, or Joshua is the unlikely leader that God would choose. Now, it kind of makes sense because he'd been around Moses. right? It kind of makes sense because he'd seen some stuff. It kind of makes sense because he watched how Moses operated. And yet at the same time, it doesn't because he wasn't a strong leader at that point, because he wasn't this huge general that commanded authority and that made people like quiver in their boots. Can you relate? Have you ever felt like you were asked to step into something? And it kind of makes sense because of how God's wired you. And yet it doesn't because you're nervous or you're scared or it feels like it's a bad, it's a bad season of life or the circumstances are messy. That's Joshua. He's thinking, really? You want me <laughs> to lead these people into the promised land that Moses didn't, wasn't able to do? This is, this is bonkers. But whoever God calls, he also equips. And in these next verses, God is going to encourage Joshua. He's going to tell him, I will equip you. I will be with you. You can trust me. Look at verse 5. No one, God says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So verse six, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. No one will be able to stand against you. No one will be able to oppose you. I will be with you. So why is he telling him to be courageous? Because Joshua is some incredible leader? Because he's some insanely gifted guy? No, because God will be with him. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Why? Why can Joshua have courage? Because he's got his Bible memorized, because he knows exactly the path that they should take, because he is so fit, Because he knows where to find water on the journey? No, because God will be with him. That is the promise. That's the call followed by the promise. God will be with you. In all these generations, for all these generations, I've promised this to play out. And it's going to happen through you. Just follow me. And I imagine God looking at him and saying, like, you, you still all right? N- Josh was nervous. Like, he, he, you notice in this passage, you can go home and read more of it on your own. It's a great story. How many times God has to say, be strong and courageous, dude. Be strong and courageous, because I'm thinking he's panicking, right? And so God's going to give him a little bit more of a boost. He's going to motivate him. He's going to push him a little bit more. He's like, you think Tony Robbins is inspirational? Please, I created Tony Robbins. On a Friday, you know, like I, I I got this. Let let me let me speak into you a little bit more, Joshua. Be verse seven. Be strong and very courageous, Joshua. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. Some of you think you associate with God's laws or God's way, His principles, His truths, as being restrictive. And God is saying, no, 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 no. These things are just for your own good. They're just kind of like the basics, 101 life. Life goes better when you live this way. It's not restrictive. It's enabling. You will be successful when you operate by God's law that he has wired this natural law, this earth, in a particular way. When you fall in and in align, things go better. When you rebel and do your own thing, things fall apart. Look at your own life, you know it's true. Look at, you look at people around you. They think that they're enjoying success and they're actually just fumbling over themselves and it's leading to a dark place. I've been there trying to do stuff on my own and it feels empowering for a minute and you're like, oh dang, turns out it really is better this way. And so he's saying, follow my lead, understand my laws, understand what I've told you and you'll be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do what's written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? By the way, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Not, not don't be afraid because you're really tough. Not don't be afraid because you have a perfect track record not don 't be afraid because you got this it 's in you you know not don't be afraid because i 'm going to surround you with m sixteens or whatever not don 't be afraid because you're you're just you 're that cool it 's not a matter of you know you 're the guy who eats breakfast three hundred yards away from train to set you know it, don't be afraid because I will be with you I will be with you. I am God. He's like, no, 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 well, I still don't, I still don't, like, I don't feel successful, right? Maybe you're in that boat. Like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to, like, align with you, God, but I don't feel successful. Who's defining your success? Are you defining success? Are your parents still defining what's success for you? Are the Joneses defining what's success for you? Or are you following this path that god has laid out for you the coach has a game plan he says keep playing just focus on the game play hard let me worry about the score let me worry about the outcome you just keep playing be strong and courageous don't be afraid you never hear god or or you never hear jesus saying to his followers be average and good enough you know <laughs> be be just like middle of the road Just basically chill for your life and see if you can acquire some stuff. See if you can get your life a little bit more comfortable. No, be strong. Be courageous because I am calling you to something. Let's just say, let's just say that God still speaks. Let's just say that God wants to speak to you. Perhaps, this same God is whispering to you and inviting you into this journey. Perhaps you can look, even if you don't hear his voice, I don't hear him audibly, even if you don't hear him or you're not sure how to perceive him, let's just, let's just assume that maybe through your circumstances, through some key relationships, through people over time that have been praying for you, through, through events in your life that have not gone the way you thought they would when you did them on your own, Maybe God is telling you something. Maybe he's been trying to get your attention. Maybe he's been whispering to you that actually you too are called. It's not just some religious hero that's far off. Maybe you too are called by God for something. And maybe he's inviting you even this morning into a new journey, a new level of commitment. Maybe he's inviting you on a new adventure. And here's my encouragement to you. It's in your outline. You're not ready. You're called. You're not ready. And the, the, the situation is never going to be perfect. All the stars are not going to align perfectly, whatever that means. But you're called. He's called you. And when he calls you, he equips you. You don't have to have all the right answers. You don't have to have a perfect track record. He's saying, just keep playing. Don't worry about the score. He calls us, and then in part two, he cleanses us. After Joshua, after, he, after God calls Joshua, he gives him some specific instructions for the people of Israel. He says, I'm about to do something pretty big. But first, in these next couple of days, I want you to consecrate yourselves. Verse 5 says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. First God calls, and then he cleans. Remember uh, Star Wars, Yoda, when he has the young Luke Skywalker, and he's training him and molding him into a Jedi Knight. And he says, Luke, first I must untrain you before I train you. There are some things that you and I need to unlearn Before we embark on this journey with God, there are some ways of thinking some patterns some behaviors that are not serving you that you need to unlearn as God calls you and invites you on this new path consecration is not a word that we use all the time it simply means to just kind of dedicate to give yourself over. So we have an example of that is, uh, is marriages today. I'm doing several weddings over the next, this next season. And when people get married, they're saying, I am dedicating myself to you, this other person, right? And they hopefully take showers and they get clean and the guys usually shave and they put on fancy stuff. And the woman wears white to, to symbolize purity and saying, I am giving myself to you, one man, for the rest of my life. She doesn't mean that she didn't have like a, a perfect past growing up or whatever, but she's saying, I am now giving myself, I am dedicating myself to you. And he the same. They exchange rings, and it's symbolic, and there's songs, there's music, there's a prayer, right? There's these kind of symbols that we use to say, this is a dedication, This is a commitment. This is saying, hey, I I am with you. And so God says to his people, before I show you what I'm about to show you, because it's going to get crazy, I want you to remind yourselves that you're dedicated to me, that you're with me. And when God calls you, he also intends to cleanse you and consecrate. And and that is when you and I pause and we think, yep, I'm in this. I'm with you, God. I'm with you. And that's what Joshua encourages these Israelites to do, to expect God to be good, to expect God to do good, and expect him to use us in spite of the fact that we're not always good, but we're in. So remember this, you're not flawless, flawless, but you're forgiven. You're not flawless, you're not perfect, you're not gonna be perfect, but you're forgiven. And this is a moment to remind yourself that you are forgiven, that Jesus made a way for you to be forgiven and that we then dedicate ourselves back and just say, all right, God, I'm in. Let's do this. What do you have next? Part three, the defining moment, the crossing. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Now, who's exalting Joshua? Joshua. You can respond, it's okay. <laughs> Who's exalting Joshua right here? God is. Is Joshua exalting Joshua? No. What happens when we try to exalt ourselves? It doesn't go well. It doesn't go well. They say pride comes before the fall, right? So God's intent is to be the one who raises up Joshua. And why does he raise up Joshua? So that they will see that God is with him. It's not so that they'll put posters on walls. Or monuments and statues. It's so that they will recognize that God is with him. When God raises up people, when he calls you, cleanses you, and invites you into something, and when he gives you elevation and and people begin to look at you, it's not for you. It's so that they can see that the reason why this is working is because God is with you. That's how it's worked throughout history. The people that God uses... He blesses, and people look, and they say, oh, what a great man, maybe. But more importantly, oh, God's with that person. They are receiving God's blessing. Next verse, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, Joshua, that when you reach the water's edge of the the Jordan River, go stand in the river. So what he's saying is, now's the time. I am sending you two million people strong across the Jordan River. Kind of similar 40 years ago to when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt across the Red Sea. And he's saying, I will. I am going to deliver you. I am going to lead you across this river. And you look at the river, the Jordan River, and it's flood season. And this water, this current is intense. It's like, I don't know. I actually have never been whitewater rafting, sadly. But I, it's like a five, like a you know, five degree. It's up there where like, you know don't be a first-timer on these rapids kind of a thing. This is this is a serious river. And so Joshua is taking all million of these people up to it and saying, okay, here we go, we're about to cross it. And they're looking at him like, please, dude, please, this is not going down. He goes, no, 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 God's going to do a miracle. Now they've heard that 40 years ago God parted the Red Sea. They've heard that, and so they wonder, well, maybe maybe he'll do that again. That's possible. But it's interesting what God tells Joshua. He says, He says, I want you to go to the water's edge, and I want you to stand in this violent river. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, who carry the ark, which represents God's presence, as the Lord of all the earth, by the way, as soon as they step foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and will stand up in a heap as soon as you guys, all the priests and you, Joshua, as soon as you get into the water, I'll pull it back. And Joshua's like, really? That's when you'll do it. Because the way I understand the story from Moses is he only had to raise his staff up. Why do I have to get wet? Sometimes God requires those of us who have seen him do things to take different, more bold steps of faith before he shows up again. I think, you know, for many of us, you had some kind of encounter with God when you were a kid, or maybe more recently than that, and then it felt like a dry season. You're like, where's God now? How come he's not doing this? Well, he's, I feel like maybe he wants me to do this, but he made it so much easier back here. Yeah, because it's time for you to step up in a new way. He's inviting you into this adventure, and sometimes it requires you getting waist high in the rapids before he parts the waters. And so that's what happened. He took, he took all the priests and they carried this thing and they went out. Imagine if you were the first priest. All of them, it says, have to get their feet in the water. Imagine if you're the first one. You might be chest high before that ark is all the way in, before those waters part. You're thinking, please, God, please, God, you have to show up. I'm gonna get carried away. And it won't look good if all my priests and the ark that represents your presence washes down this river. They will think, That you are not in fact with me, that I am a, you know. And so it's all on the line. And here's what I believe. That we each, that you need to have your own cross crossing story. And I believe that God is speaking to you and saying, maybe now is the time. What does it look like for you to cross? What, if it, what does it look like for you to step in? Yeah, maybe I could make it easier on you, you know. But I'm waiting for you to step in. Will you? Will this be a defining moment? Will you cross? There's no going back once you cross the Jordan River. Those waters that have been, you know, parted and held apart for a little while, they're going to come crashing through, and you're, you're over there now. It's It's done. It's a line you cannot go back. And I believe that he's speaking to you and saying, are you ready? And you're like, nope. And he goes, that's okay, because you're called. Will you will you cross? Will you join me? Will you trust me? Now imagine this whole scene. There's like 2 million people, right? And Joshua and the priest, and then the water's part. You know of this 2 million people, you've got your, your spectrum on any kind of social situation. You've got your 20% that are just... Charging ahead, like this is the greatest thing ever. They're going to be the first over to the other side. You got your sixty percent in the middle that are like, okay, is this safe? Should we go? I'm looking at him. I'm looking at her, and we're. I guess we're going. And then you got your twenty percent that are the laggards at the back that are like, um. Uh, well, we'll be back here if you need us. And then at the last second, when everyone else, they can already see people on the other side that are safe and eating, you know, dates and raisins and things, and they're like, okay, now we'll go. And they try to charge so they don't miss it. Where are you in that? Are you in? Are you, I'm, let's do this. Whatever it looks like, God, I'm in. Or are you kind of like, uh, if they do it, then maybe or are you just kind of totally that resistant person It's like, meh, you're gonna have to convince me for a year, Caleb, before I take any more steps. You don't know my life, you know, whatever. I get it, but ask yourself, if God has called you, if he's inviting you to cross, are you in? Are you willing to get chest high in it before he shows up? Are you willing to be uncomfortable and inconvenienced To see what he might do in this, to see what he, the miracle that's on the other side. It might not be a promised land flowing with milk and honey here yet, but it's abundant living. That's what that promised land represents for us. The life that Jesus said that he came to deliver, life and life to the full. Will you cross? There is something for you to cross. And here's my encouragement to you, you're not perfected, you're committed. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to wonder if you're good enough, strong enough, whatever, people like you enough. You're committed. You're just in. Go in. I think that there's different places in your life that God will invite you to make this kind of commitment. I think there's personal steps that you need to take in your own life, in your own journey, maybe health-wise, maybe habits and things like that, maybe vocational steps. He's inviting you to something new, to step out in a new and bold way, to trust him with the outcomes. And maybe, maybe faith-wise, he's inviting you to step across the line for the first time. You've been on the fence. You've been like, ah, I, I don't really get it, but it seems good, but I don't know. I've seen a lot of weirdos, and I don't, I don't want to be that guy. And maybe he's saying, hey, let's do this. I've got, a, I've got abundant life over here. Your life is good, but I've got, I've got abundant life. You, you're missing out on a life with me. Maybe, maybe you've made that decision when you're in our church and God's inviting you to in, take a new step of growth. I personally am going to be asking you in this next season, we're coming up on a really important season in our church, and in the fall I'm going to be inviting you to take new steps of faith. And I would, I would ask you to start praying now and saying yes now to whatever God would have for you. We're, we're, God, we're in the middle of God doing something special in this city. What he's already done with our church is incredible, and he's continuing to move. We've been kind of frantically looking for larger space because we pack out two services already on Sunday mornings and we're still growing. In the fall, we're going to continue to grow a lot because, because you hear people say and you experience on the patio that we're like a family, and we are. We will always be friendly, inviting. Everyone is welcome here. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you haven't done. You're welcome here as a part of this family, and we're a family that won't turn away orphans. So we are going to keep growing. And we're going to keep being a safe place for people to explore their faith and explore what it means to follow God and who He's designed them to be. And so we need to free up seats to keep growing and to keep welcoming people. And so we've been we've been looking, and it's difficult in Huntington Beach to find space. Uh, and so God just miraculously, in these last couple of weeks, worked out a way for us to stay here a little bit longer. The theater group that meets in here has offered to move themselves to do Saturday matinees instead of Sunday matinees. So we're going to have more time. We're going to add a third service in the fall. And I'm going to be asking you and inviting you to play a bigger role. And maybe you don't feel equipped enough. Maybe you don't feel like it's convenient. Maybe whatever those, those list of things are. But I invite you just when it comes to the context of our church community to think about stepping up in some ways. If, you're, if you haven't given, to become someone who gives financially. If you don't give time outside of Sundays, to become someone who gives some time and serves and volunteers. If you haven't had the courage to invite your friends, start inviting your friends. The fall is going to be a special time for us. I'm looking forward to it. And that's a way for you to step up in this pursuit of faith and doing it together as a church family. But you have other ways, too, in your home, at your workplace, in your personal life. God is going to continue to ask you, are you in? Will you trust me? There is more abundant life for you, but you might have to get wet and trust first. You might have to step in it a little while. Some of you are all in, you've crossed over, and and God is still inviting you to another thing. And, And here's Joshua's story is relevant to us because in part four, he asked Joshua some clarifying questions. Let's look at this in Joshua chapter five, but I wanna first tell you, after they cross over into the promised land, God tells them, now I want you to start taking some territory. Let's start with Jericho. And Jericho is the most intense, it's a fortified city with huge walls around it. And he says, I want you to bring down Jericho. And he's like, yeah, me and what army? We don't have bulldozers. Our weapons are puny. And we're you know, like, this, how is this going to happen? He says, just trust me. I got this. I'm God. You keep playing hard. <laughs> trust me with the outcomes. And as Joshua is preparing for this engagement with Jericho, an angel of God shows up and calls him out. This is a great couple of verses. It says, Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and said, Are you for us or are you for our enemies? Verse 14, Neither. (laughs) He answers. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down on the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does God have for his servant? I'm your servant. What message would you have for me? I have more I want to say about those verses, but first I wanted to just show you a a short video clip that summarizes it a little bit for me. This is a clip from one of my favorite movies called Miracle. And in it, Herb, the USA hockey coach, is recruiting hockey players to go and to go to the Olympics and ultimately challenge the most dominant hockey team that the Russians uh, in, in history, right? The Russians have just been dominating. And he chooses all these young collegiate guys, not the typical you know, NHL-type pros that you would think. And so he puts together this motley crew, and he's hoping that they come together because he knows the only way that they're going to be able to win is if they come together as a team and put their individualism behind them And wherever they went to college and wherever they're from, if they'll come together and understand that there's a bigger story here at play, and that's what he's trying to get them to believe in. And this is a little clip from that movie. This cannot be a team of common men. Because common men go nowhere. You have to be uncommon. Again. This has gone on long enough. Everybody on that line. Somebody's going to get hurt. Everybody get on that line. Hey! Again. Again. Come on, Craig, what was it. Again. Michael Ruzzioni! with are Massachusetts! <laughs> Who do you play for? all gentlemen he says who do you play for do you play for yourself are you in this for you or do you see the bigger story here do you see what you're a part of do you see that you can make history do you see in our context What God is inviting you to, that you're a part of something so much bigger, that He has a plan for you, that He has given you a name, a purpose, and a plan for your life. And it's bigger than even what you think it is. And so Joshua sees this angel and he says, Are you for us or for them? And the angel's like, Please, neither. Are you for us? That's the question. God is going to be the one who does this, Joshua. God is going to be the one who continues to pull you through. He did the whole Red Sea thing. He did the whole Jordan River thing. He's going to do this Jericho thing and he's going to keep doing the thing. And the question is are you with him? And that's really important for us because the number one prayer that most believers pray throughout their lives is God bless me, God bless my family. God bless my business. God bless my thing. God bless this idea that I have. God bless me, 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 me. And it's okay, but first and foremost, understand that He is interested in you being with Him. You want to ask Him, Are you with me in this or what? Like, don't you want to help me? Like, come on, how come you haven't fixed this yet? And He's saying, No, 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 no. You have it backwards. I am leading. I am telling a story. I'm inviting you into the the adventure of your life. Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you in? Will you come along? Do you understand that it's God that is doing it? My last encouragement here is that you're not the hero, you're the follower. God will do heroic things through you at multiple places on your journey that will amaze and astound you, but you will only enjoy it. You will only see it. You will only be able to fully participate in it. Once you answer this question, are you with him? Because he's going to tell his story with or without us. And he invites you in. He says, this is going to be good because what I did back then was cool and all, but it's just getting better. And he invites you and he invites me in for that journey. You're the servant. I'm the servant. It's okay that you don't feel religious enough. You don't feel equipped enough. You don't feel ready. You don't have to be. You're called. You're cleansed. You're forgiven. Are you in? Are you in? Will you say yes to whatever he's asking you to do? God, I just pray that you would give us the courage to follow you? Would you give us the courage to say yes? Would you give us the fearlessness to step into the water even before we know what's going to happen? Even before we know what our friends are going to think? Even before we know what the implications are to our finances? Even before we know what may or may not happen around us? Even though we're scared? Even though we have issues? Even though that we have baggage? Even though so-and-so let us down before? Even though there's been this other church that was just really kind of set us back in our walk with the Lord whatever God give us the courage to trust you now to walk with you to step in to cross that this will be a that this would be one of those moments that we look back on and we say yeah that was a pivotal moment I crossed over there there's no going back I'm in now what tell me what this means I'll continue to follow you God continue to speak to us as you invite us on this on this journey with you that you have called us to in Jesus name